You're listening to The Word on Long Beach. And now, Jackie Ray. Yes, I am Jackie Ray. You can follow me on all things social media at Fanatic. This is The Word on Long Beach brought to you by the Long Beach Post. We have such a great show for you today. We're going to finish off the show with a really feel-good story about a gentleman who was exonerated and after getting out of prison, he partnered with the After Innocence Project and they are helping him get some dental work done. But first, we're going to talk about family. Because when starting a family, most parents, I think, would admit they're not really sure what they're doing. Some may read books, some will take classes, others will just default to how they were raised. And there's benefits to all of that. Classes for women and couples are a lot easier to find. Classes that specifically address the different nuances that come from fatherhood, a little bit more difficult. Long Beach is working to change that. I had the opportunity to speak with Christopher McLucas. He is a clinical social worker who is working as a consultant on the Fundamentals for Fatherhood program. It's a 10-week class that meets via Zoom. It's free. And today, Christopher, along with two fathers that are in the program, Alan and Chris, will join me. But first, Christopher, how did the Fundamentals for Fatherhood begin? Um, really, really based on this idea of, of highlighting fatherhood, highlighting fathers, providing father-friendly, father-specific spaces throughout Long Beach. Oftentimes, there's a lot of intentional program for mothers, and so uh, the city of Long Beach and, and really kind of forward thinking um, is really dedicated a lot of time and resources to um, having programming. And so uh, this is actually the second cycle. So there was, a, there was a first federal grant that the city was involved with, and this is kind of the second cycle of it, of really looking at, like, well, how do we, how do we ensure that Long Beach is an equitable place um, and really providing these opportunities for fathers and for fathers for the benefit of the entire community. So uh, fathers supporting fathers so they help them support their families, support their kids and to support overall community well-being. So you said this is the second cycle. So how long has this been fatherhood in action? How long has this been in existence? Yeah, absolutely. So so fatherhood in action, I, I guess if we have to think of it, um, uh, kind of in a multi-layered approach. And so fatherhood in action is really part of the larger fatherhood programming through the Department of Health and, Health and Human Services. And so fatherhood in action um, is kind of a, a supportive space that's provided for fathers that may not be coming in and receiving like life coaching and other supports. And so the, the dads, both Chris and Alan here, they've, they've kind of gone in and they're able to go through the Nurturing Fathers curriculum program, be able to receive support from the coaches, and so this is kind of like a complement of that program. And so the idea is that um, the Fatherhood in Action is kind of an open group. And so we, we have uh, topics that we talk about on a bi-monthly basis. We provide it both in English and Spanish. Um, we cover things around uh, healthy co-parenting, coping skills, uh, managing developmental milestones, uh, navigating school-based issues. Um, and so there's about 10 different topics that we cover within our curriculum. These are all provided by licensed mental health therapists. And so uh, dads can kind of drop in. And we'll, the way we've actually seen it is that because of Zoom, we have dads that are in the car kind of chiming in. They're calling on the phone um, because they're, they're really looking for a space to, to be supported by other fathers and kind of like a non-threatening, uh, just like an open dialogue. And so that's really that the fatherhood in action component. And then, like, again, like I said, as, as Chris and Alan will talk a little bit about, there's another component as well where they can receive um, they participate in a program, it's a curriculum base, where they go through and receive kind of 
positive parenting skills and other supportive strategies to, to support them in their role. So these are kind of like two, they're all under the same umbrella, but they're, they're two kind of separate programs that work hand in hand. No, I, and I love this and I'm excited because usually when I have these kind of conversations, I'm just having conversations with the person who runs it. So I really appreciate you two dads joining me today. This is amazing. So let me just start with Chris. How did you get involved with this program? Um, you know, it's kind of a, um, uh, um, a negative situation that brought me to the, uh, the nurturing father's class. Um, my fiance uh, had an issue with uh, substance abuse while she was pregnant. And um, I found out maybe three months before the baby was born. And I took some action that wasn't, I guess, as far as the Department of Child Services was concerned, wasn't enough. Um, so uh, after the baby was born and the, she had another bad test, uh, they went ahead and they came and took the children. So they, they said that I failed to protect them. Um, and that was kind of foreign for me because it, when I think of protection, I mean, as a guy, I think of, um, uh, you know, making sure no harm comes to them in, in a physical manner, but not really, I guess, per se, mentally. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and providing for them, keeping a roof over their head and things like that. So that was kind of, you know, where I was going with the, you know, the whole thing and the, to protect. I was pretty upset about that, you know, um, and um, they recommended some, some classes and things, but nothing had been ordered for me by the court. But I, you know, my lawyer said, hey, you don't want to go ahead and get started. And, uh, you know, possibly by the time you, got, you do go to court, you'll have all these things already taken care of, regardless of whether they want you to do them or not. So, um, uh, so that's what I did. And one of the, the classes that they had was Nurturing fathers. And I felt that that would be a good opportunity for me. Um, I've been to parenting classes before, and they were always kind of one-sided. And I mean by that, it was more catered towards Moms. towards women, I guess. You know? yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Towards. T I mean, I'm not. <laughs> nothing wrong with the mom, but um, it just seemed like it was it was catered towards the mothers, and um, they didn't really touch on issues that we fathers you know go through, or or not aware that we go through, and why we do what we do. Um, so, uh, and it was funny with my fiance and with my ex-wife, <laughs> we used to talk about, um, discipline styles and things, you know, and about being a good dad and stuff like that. And I was always measuring the bar with my father, you know? So I felt if, if I was doing as good or better than he was, then, you know, my kids would turn out like my, like me or better. And, um, so it, it was, uh, with that kind of mentality, it's hard for me, or well, it was hard for me to think that I was doing anything um, that was contrary to the kids or not really protecting them or taking care of them or being a good dad. So, um, uh, and for years I struggled with that, going back and forth. And, and it wasn't until, uh, funny thing about it, I would see uh, uh, Anthony, he was the life coach for me. And um, we were talking and, and it like, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning that, you know, I can't measure myself as far as being a father with what my dad did back, you know, umpteen years ago, because it's a different time now. The, the kids are, are more advanced. They, they require more or they require less. So I can't just, you know, father and parent the way that my parents did because I would be doing them a disservice. And, and, and I never really looked at it like that. And so that's one thing that the, the class had began to do for me. So that piqued my interest. You're so open about how you 
came to be in the class with the things you were going through and you were, were looking at things differently. That's, that's refreshing to me because I know sometimes, especially when I think, I'm like you, I think of my dad. My dad's a strong person. If, even if he had gone through these things, that would have been something he wouldn't have shared with other people. That would have been a very mm -hmm. private thing. Is that something similar for you? Do you feel like you're able to open up about these things a little bit more because of these classes? The main reason, yes. The answer question, yes. But um, I think the catalyst for it was, uh, was recognizing where all this came from, you know, and it wasn't like, um, you know, you can be a normal guy and be doing your, your, your thing and, and be a parent and everything and, and everything's going, you know, okay. You know, I mean, the family's intact and everything's fine, but there's still things that we're missing. And, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, our upbringing, what we saw our fathers do. And, and it's not that it was wrong. It's just that's what we were accustomed to. You know, that's what we saw. And those things as, as children, men or women, they shape, you know, who you become. It is your morals, you know, and, and, and what you accept and what you won't accept. So uh, when, I, when I realized that, you know, I have a part to play, but I'm not to blame for the way, uh, you know, the, the, the way that I do things. In other words, um, my part in it is in, in not investigating it and looking at the other examples and seeing if, you know, it's normal the way that I'm taking care of the kids or, or not. You know, that's my part to play in it. But my dad, he handed me some things and he said, here, son, you know, and, and I didn't have to take them all. I, I kind of sift, I should have sifted through them and took the good stuff and, and, you know, discarded the bad. But, you know, a lot of times you just take it all and you carry it around. You know, and, and it seems normal, you know, and, and that's kind of kind of where, where I was. I thought that what was not really normal, you know, and maybe other households was normal in mine, you know, and, and I thought that was okay. It's easier to talk about it now because before, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody, you know, what was going on. You know, I'm looking out the window and stuff, you know, <laughs> and they're coming today, you know what I mean? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was pretty bad, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it, took me, it took me talking about it and realizing um, why I do what I do and why I think the way I think um, that's allowed me to relieve some of the pressure from myself, you know, and say, okay, you can fix this. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to stay the way it is. Alan, what about you? How did you come to join the program? So it, it was weird. You know, we, this all happened during the height of the pandemic and, you know, me and my wife had never been through anything like this. So I, I'm turning left, I'm turning right. Where, where are parenting classes? Are parenting classes even still going on? And come to our unfortunate surprises, a lot of you know county-funded parenting classes had been canceled or there was a mile-long wait list and it was just, you know, the, we couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel just to get into a class to help us. You know, we're, me and my wife are both young parents first child we've never done this before so we're like what what are we going on you know everyone said call 411 do this do that and we were just check marking the boxes and there's just no 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 end in sight and then this program came across and uh they were great in the beginning you know they were great all the way through um my life coach daniel was you know stupendous they were all of the mentors were awesome um, they were really, you know, working with schedules and I learned a lot, you know, how you guys had kind of alluded, you know, there's 
there's parenting classes for women, which is great, but for some reason, you know, us men, you know, oh, we're supposed to be tough and not in touch with our feelings. So going to classes where we all open up about how we're doing, how we're doing with our partners just seemed ludicrous. And when you, when I got into this class, it was, there was no judgment anywhere. You know, we were all going through one thing similar or another, but you know, me being, I was one of the younger dads, you know, all of the OGs were able to, you know, kind of help me through this stuff, you know, made me look at things in a, in a different way, you know, through a different set of eyes. You know, I thought something was a big deal. You know, the guys were like, no, you know, you'll be okay. You know, you'll get through this. So, I mean, the, the program was amazing. I, I learned so much, not even just being a father, but also being a partner, you know, learning how to deal, you know, not deal with my wife, but like, you know, certain situations where, you know, I can handle it more calmly and, you know, things I would have never thought about, you know, they made me think and, you know, ultimately it's helped me being a better father, but also me being a better partner. It's really great to hear how excited both of you guys are about this program and can feel the benefits immediately. Both of you came into the program because of a situation. Would you recommend guys getting involved in this before they get to that point? Like just because, like if they're expecting a new baby, like just jump in the class now. You want to go first or you want me to go? Um, oh, sir. After you. Oh no, sir! After you, please. Look at all this communication going on in here. <laughs> I think I think, I think that, that it would it would benefit um, every male immensely, and and I say that, it, but it has to be couched in a way that, that it can be received because you know, like like Alan saying, you know, we're coming from an era where you know you show strength. And you don't show anything other than strength, you know, because weakness is for, you know, somebody else. And you weak, you run over, you know, you ran over, you can't take care of your family, you know, and, and everything else that we think about, you know, as, as being men. So yeah, if if there was if there's a way that they can understand that that what you are about to embark on is something that is gonna be forever. You know, you're creating somebody and their first so many years are, are only going to be what you show them and what you, the way that you act, the way that you do things. And that's a big responsibility, more so than I ever thought about. You know, I thought, hey, you know, as long as he has a bottle and everything else is good, you know, change the diaper, we were all right. You know, but I'm not realizing this is watching me doing everything that I'm doing or not doing. And then, you know, then that becomes the normal for them. And so I'm responsible for that. I, I, I'm so proud of both of you guys. It just seems like, um, I was telling Christopher before we got on the show that I've seen everywhere I go programs for women, like you guys both said, and it's it just seems the norm from from church to free services. It just seems the norm. So I was really excited to hear about fathers. I think that is something that's been neglected. Christopher, I want to ask you because I kind of alluded to it earlier, and both Alan and Chris did as well. I think we still have these societal norms where we expect the fathers to be providers and the mothers mm -hmm. to be nurturers. Do you think we're still suffering from that as a society and that's contributing to some of these issues? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think some of those kind of prevailing I believe are, are still very present and, and especially in terms of how services are provided. Um, it's not often that people are kind of planning and saying, okay, we want to, when we think about nurturing, they're not always connecting that to fathers. 
But as part of this program, it's nurturing father's curriculum. So even that idea is really challenging what it means to be a father. Um, if, if you ever want to see the most passionate group of men um, in one space, you, you come to a space where you have fathers. And it, particularly fathers of color, because sometimes I think there's this narrative that fathers of color, particularly black fathers, are not involved and don't want to be involved. But that that is so untrue. And it, that is being in that space and having the privilege to be in those spaces, you will see a very passionate group. Sometimes it might be a little bit slow to warm up, but then dialogue really starts happening. People start sharing their perspectives and really connect with each other. And they're, they're authentic connections. And, and that's something that is part of this program as well. We really hope to facilitate because we don't want it just to be this 10 week program or just a drop in group with uh, fatherhood in action but just create a community amongst fathers where they can connect and just like, you know, Chris and Alan on this call, you know, they can connect with each other offline and be like, hey, look, I'm really struggling around this. Like, you know, I see someone to talk to or, or just kind of really building a community. And so, um, you know, really kind of, again, challenging this idea and creating spaces for fathers to be able to connect. And so um, I think, you know, with this program and, and a lot of the movement around having father specific services, we're hoping to really kind of challenge these ideas around what it means to be a father and really highlight and say, look, like fathers are doing the work. It may look a little different than the than how moms are doing it, but they're out there doing the work and they love their kids and they're passionate about their kids and they they they're involved in, in many different ways. Yeah, no, I love that. Is it something that they can just I because on the website I see there's just a Zoom link. Can mm -hmm. they drop into the fatherhood in action and then you kind of point them to other services as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we, there's multiple points of entry and that's what, what's really great about this program. Oftentimes through the nurturing fathers curriculum, those are kind of direct referrals, maybe from Department of Children and Family Services or, or systems like that. So if they need to complete a parenting curriculum, we can get them connected over there. And, and as the guys talked about, there's a whole lot of supportive services that are provided. The thing about fatherhood in action, it, it kind of captures both. So if a dad is is going to have a child and is just trying to like find other fathers to connect with, we have fatherhood in action. So they can drop in one week and be like, oh, I, I really am interested in this topic. They can connect with dad. So they can come in once a month. They can come in for all the sessions of the month, whatever feels comfortable for them. And so um, then we also have that space for dad. So once they complete the nurturing father's curriculum, if they want to come into the fan group, that's great. If we have a dad that's in the, the fatherhood in action, the fan group, and they could benefit from the nurturing father's curriculum, we connect them to there. So we kind of think of it as kind of an inclusive holistic services to make sure that the fathers are getting all the support that they need to, to be the dads that they really want to be. That's fantastic. And where do they just go to the same site that I went to, the city's website, or is there a, a more specific site they can go to? Yes, 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 absolutely. So they can definitely go through the city's website. We do um, share information. Um, as well out in the community um, through a variety of means. And so uh, for the Fatherhood in Action group, because it's it's Zoom link right now, once things kind of calm down a little bit with the pandemic, we'll be able to go back to in-person. But right now it's on a Zoom link. So we'll, we kind of share that widely. It is on the city's website. Um, and so, you know, dad can literally, if he, our groups typically start at six. So if a dad looks at it at 5.50, like, oh, I want to drop him today. He, all he has to do is, is click on that link or dial the phone number and you can connect um, with the other dads and our, and our licensed therapists. That's fantastic. Um, Alan and Chris, I want to close with you guys. Alan, I'll start with you. If someone is listening to this, it's a father that might be having some struggles 
And he's just looking, like you said something so profound, you were looking left and right and you couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Here we are in this podcast. What would you tell them if, you, if they have any reservations about getting involved with this program? I would tell them definitely go, go to the Zoom meetings for the fatherhood. It's, it's such a stimulating community where, you know, not, not all fathers like to share even with their loved ones how they're feeling. You go in to this, this, this group and, you know, you may start off a little slow, but then, you know, over the time you grow these connections, like me and Chris, we still talk to this day. I have other fathers that we shared such a bond. We still talk to and check in and see how they're doing. And there was no judgment on anyone. And I think that was the most gratifying thing was that no one is there to judge us. You get this sense of relief and you get this sense of calming that you can't get with anyone else other than other gentlemen that are going through the same thing or have gone through the same thing. So I, I recommend this program 100%. Christopher, you have anything you want to add? Yes. Yeah, so so just, just one last thought as well. And so when we're talking about fathers, uh, these services are also for father figures, right? So we may have grandfathers that are kind of playing that role as a father figure in a child's life. We may have uncles, we may have stepfathers, we may have, you know, someone who's a really close family friend. And so when we're talking about these father-friendly services, we're talking about them as well. No, oh, very well said. Thank you guys all so much. I appreciate all of you. This is a fantastic, very enlightening. Um, I was telling Christopher before you guys got on, I found this just because I was doing a mental health series last week. And then I came across um, the fatherhood in action. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> so this is, uh, this is one of those things that I haven't seen before um, in this kind of capacity. And it's exciting to see this because I think it's very much needed. And I'm very proud of both of you. Well done. If you are a current or soon-to-be father in Long Beach, I highly recommend you get involved with the Fundamentals for Fatherhood program. Don't forget it's free and it seems to be a great resource for men on their parenting journey. Up next, we'll meet Zedrick Turnbull and find out how he had the opportunity to improve his smile thanks to the After Innocence Project. Stay with us. The Word on Long Beach is brought to you by Community Hospital Long Beach. Community Hospital is now open, serving the community since 1924 and singularly focused on providing patients with the very best in healthcare services. Community Hospital, restored, reopened, reimagined. And Cambrian Home Care. Cambrian Home Care has been assisting individuals to stay independent in their homes for 25 years. Flexible experience you can trust when the best place is still at home. To learn more, please visit cambrianhomecare.com. Welcome back to The Word on Long Beach, brought to you by the Long Beach Post. Once again, I'm Jackie Ray. Now, this is a great feel-good story. This is a great way to start the week. Cedric Turnbull, he was exonerated after spending two years in prison. And now that he's getting his life back on track, the After Innocence Project is helping to make sure he has everything he needs for a successful transition, including a confident smile. Now, Cedric will be joining me later. He's actually in the chair right now, getting his dental work done. So right now I'm going to speak with operations manager for Bixie Knowles Modern Dentistry, Karina Garcia, and find out how her office was able to partner with the After Innocence Project. Now, Karina, you partnered with a different organization and they partnered you with After Innocence, correct? Uh, Smile Generation is a brand that connects with 
connects patients to small generation trusted um, dentist. Mm -hmm. And so we do a serve day, annual serve day. This is our 11th year doing it. Um, uh, so nationwide dental offices um, donate dentistry. Do you typically, when you have your serve day, is it typically people in his situation maybe that are transitioning back into society or is it, this is what it is this time? You know what, this is our first year partnering with After Innocence, um, but they're such a great organization. We'll probably continue to work with them in future years. Um, in the past, we've done just um, members of the community or patients who couldn't, existing patients who couldn't afford dentistry. Mm. And then we brought them back on our serve day so we can help them get the dentistry that they need. How did you get involved with the After Innocence Project? So After Innocence um, partnered with Small Generation um, and they connected us with After Innocence, our office. So let's just talk in general. I think that sometimes um, I, I used to work with a charity called 100 Suits and it was literally about people that came out of prison making sure they had suits because that's the first thing you think of. You don't necessarily have the clothing that's going to help you get that job. I think when I first heard about this, the first thing I thought was, you know, that might be one thing that we overlook is how important your smile is helping you get that job. What do you think that that means to people as far as how your smile looks when you're trying to get back into society? Absolutely, I think it's it's huge. It's um, confidence. Um, and in overall, um, it, you know, your mouth is connected to your body. So it's a whole systemic thing. So mm -hmm. having a healthy mouth is important. One for confidence and just to be overall healthy and be able to be productive. So did After Innocence pair, pair you with them? Did you get to make the phone call to them and saying, hey, you're getting some free dental service? Like, how did that go? Yeah, so they um, selected the, the two gentlemen. Mm -hmm. um, we had two gentlemen initially um, to that were local in our area mm -hmm. and were able to get to us. So um, they, they set up the appointment for them. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't wait to hear how, how they, how did he feel when he got here today? Yeah, so we did a pre-screening yesterday, and um, he's excited. He's very excited to to get his his mouth taken care of, for yeah. sure. How does his dental care go after today? Is it something he's going to be able to get assistance with in the future? Yeah, I don't know his current situation, mm -hmm. but we're always open to help in the yeah. future. Um, I know After Innocence also helps them mm -hmm. um, with that in the future care as well, but we're we're here to help as much as possible. And now he is fresh out of the dentist chair. Zedric Turnbull joins me now. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you guys too. Tell me about your situation. How did you find yourself incarcerated? Uh, I was in 2014. I was on probation. I was pulled over by uh, Orange County Sheriff's. Uh, make a long story short, uh, they had, I had a keychain that they said was a, considered a, de a deadly weapon. Uh, it was a big, big, they considered it brass knuckles, but technically it wasn't. I argued my case. Uh, I went to trial, uh, got convicted. They gave me five years. Uh, I went upstate. I, I appealed my case uh, after tr after losing the trial. I appealed my case, and um, uh, they uh, it took like two years for this uh, court of appeals to reverse my case, and they found that I wasn't I wasn't guilty of the crime. Uh, so they reversed my case and I got released in 2016 and uh, then I had to sue the state and they had to pay me for like pain and suffering and that sort of thing. So how did you get involved with the After Innocence Project? Uh, I was contacted by um, 
I was contacted by the organization. Um, just, I didn't, I really didn't know my case was that big of a deal. I didn't know I was like one of the only 19, uh, you know, uh, that was, uh, <clears throat> that was able to, uh, they call it the uh, exonerated, one of the 19 exonerated in the state of California. And um, like I said, I just can, can try to continue to live my life and get, get back on track because I had been away from society for a while. So yeah, they contact, I didn't even know these agencies exist, you know? Um, uh, yeah, so he called, he called me and asked me if he, if whatever I needed, he would assist me with like transportation or, 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 or whatnot. Um, so that's how this came about, you know? So when you were appealing your case, were you doing it by yourself? Was there anyone helping you? Uh, it was pretty, yeah, I was pretty much on my own. Um, I, I mean, once you lose in trial, you have a, you have a, they automatically give you uh, action out of pill. And they said it was like less than 10% of a chance of me getting the case reversed, but I knew I didn't do anything wrong. So I just kind of knew in my heart that at some point I would get action at, at getting out, you know? Did that impact you and your family that moment when you knew, okay, I'm going to have to spend some time in jail for something I know I'm not guilty of? I mean, it was, it was disappointing. It was shocking, you know? Uh, but I don't know, something deep down inside just told me that I was, I, I knew I didn't do anything wrong. So I knew at some point um, something good was going to come out of it. You know? When you got this call from After Innocence and they said that they would assist you, was that kind of a sigh of relief? Was it? Yeah, it was. It was. Because um, you need as much help as you can get, you know, um, from every area. You know, there's a few other places that help help people out, but you have to take the effort. You have to go out there and get there and, you know, and, um, a lot of people don't have the job skills or they don't have the know-how to just go out there and get it themselves when they've been incarcerated, like, you know, um, when they've been in and out of the system, you know. Um, but, um, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're hungry for it, you're going to find it, you know. Um, that's, I didn't find him. He found me. So I didn't, you know, uh, I guess I look at it as a blessing. You know? What are some of the things he's helping me with? Um, he tried to help me. Like, he told me like they help with like, uh, if you need any, like legal assistance or, um, he said medical, dental, transportation needs, those sort of things. That's good. Yeah. So you're here today. I'm getting your dental need. What'd you get done today? I had a, a few, uh, well, my front tooth was, uh, they needed to replace that cause, uh, I, I had that done in the department of corrections and it wasn't done that well. Uh, one, two, I had like three fillings. I had a cleaning. They gave me a guard for uh, a night guard because I grind my teeth at night mm -hmm. for, for whitening and all that. So, do you think that's something you needed to kind of help build your confidence as you get back into? Yeah, the world? yeah, it's it's important because uh, when you you know when you have when you've been away from society for so long, you're you might be insecure about certain things. You know, uh, they don't really have a lot of mirrors in there to look you know to see things. So. You don't know, you know, you don't know if you're uh, up to par when it comes to like your dental hygiene and, and those sort of things. You know? mm -hmm. Well, when you turn the corner, your smile looks great. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be feeling good. Yeah, it looks good. They did a great, great job. The staff super nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm happy for you that you're getting this this second opportunity. I know some people don't. Like you said, there's only you said 19. Yeah, the 19 exonerated. Um, a lot of the other guys were like uh, lifers and stuff like that. So I can't. Even, I, I spoke to a few of the guys, and a lot of them are working for uh, Innocence Project. So uh, I can't imagine how it feels to be like 
gone for 20 years and you didn't even do the crime, you know? So, uh, but it happens a lot more than uh, people are aware of. When you hear their stories and do you feel that they've given up hope at all? Um, no, the guys that, that I spoke to, they had to, they had to have something to hang on to because, uh, there's not a lot to hang on to in there. There's not a lot of positive, uh, role models and people giving you like, uh, you know, positive advice, you know? So it's hard to, it's easy to uh, get down and like depressed and just not care, you know? You think you'll volunteer with that, uh, the Innocence Project or Afro Innocence in the future? Would I? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm actually a drug counselor now. So uh, I went back to school. Um, the last time I was incarcerated, I, I, did a, I did a bunch of correspondence courses. And so now I work in substance abuse. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're giving back. Yeah. So. Awesome. Is there anything else you want people to know? Um, no, I just, you know, Places like this are important, and uh, uh, people—they <clears throat> need as much as, as support as they can possibly get. Because mm -hmm. uh, most people don't have a support system when they come out of prisons and stuff like that. They get stuck in going back to the, the only element that they're familiar with. You know, it's like the streets. So. so very well said. If you would like to make sure those who are transitioning back into society have the support they need and want to know more about the After Innocence Project, you can find them online at After innocence.org such a great way to end this monday thank you all for joining me once again i'm jackie ray don't forget that this podcast is here for you so if you have an idea you can email me directly at jackie at lbpost.com or you can dm me on all social media at jray the fanatic you guys stay safe and have a great monday